Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com podcast presented by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Be sure and check them out at BlueWaterClimateControl.com or give them a buzz at 865-299-2290 for whatever your HVAC needs. That's Blue Water Climate Control. They're going to do the right pair the right way the first time. Uh, they're taking care of people all over East Tennessee. So be sure and give them a, a, a look online or give them a buzz to check out all the latest services that they offer for you. With Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs, planning to get to in this podcast. And we'll start first with the Tennessee football team, who, guys, apparently still doesn't have a quarterback. And it appears that Josh Heupel is going to take this thing. Well, he is definitely going to take this thing into game week without announcing the quarterback. Does he announce somebody before the game, or is this one of those we're going to announce this over the loudspeaker when we introduce starting lineups? And how surprised are you that he didn't announce somebody on Monday of this week? Austin, I'll start I, with you. I'm surprised. I did think if, if they didn't do it today, they weren't going to do it. And, and I don't believe they will now. I think they'll take this all the way till they trot Joe Milton out there um, at 8 o'clock uh, a, a week from Thursday. And so, yeah, I mean – I, to me, it just seems a bit bizarre. Again, if you're either one of the other guys and you're following Tennessee's, you know, just their football Twitter account and how they, you know, push highlights out and stuff like that, how how do you not know that Joe Milton's not the guy? Rob, you think you think they wait to announce it, or you think he announces it Monday? I got a vibe; he may announce it Monday, next Monday. Just a gut feel. Maybe. Nobody's telling me. I, I mean, I don't I'm, – I'm with AP. I mean, I don't I – don't, I mean, it seems pretty clear, you know, that, that Milton's the guy. And I would imagine, you know, if, if we had a chance to see any practice this week, we would probably be able to determine that by, you know, how, how reps were divided up. And he avoided that question like the plague. Yes. He got asked that specifically today, how reps were going. He didn't, he didn't touch it. He didn't touch it with a – you know, with a with a ten foot pole that you'd strap a strap a tape recorder to, AP, or as I call it, the ball retriever that Jimmy Himes uh, no longer uh, uses on the golf course. All right, so, but here's the thing: I mean, Josh Heupel didn't really announce, declare anything at no, his press conference on nothing. Monday. I mean, is this is this? He the, just grinned at you a lot, Brand. He just kept grinning at you. Is this the seismic shift into? This is Josh Heupel, game week Josh Heupel type deal, or is this a there's not a whole lot to talk about because I've kind of ran through the whole roster multiple times Josh Heupel deal, or does is it no big deal? Let's just watch this team go play in a, in a, a little over a week. I, I'm just ready to go watch football. I could care less what he announces, what he says. I mean, all those coaches are cut from the same cloth from a standpoint of uh, you know they're not going to give a whole way a, a, give away a whole lot. Um, but yeah, he was more vanilla than I thought he would be. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I care less. Let's just get to a week from Thursday. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was the most vanilla we've seen him. I mean, not not you know not not rude or standoffish like we've seen some coaches be in the not so recent past. But just you know, just absolute you know coach speak. Just nothing, offering nothing. You know, giving very probably the most you know insightful he got was when he was talking about the linebackers being the most improved position, you know, on the team since the spring, which, you know, every, everybody could see. But just the, the total non – you know, to not get any info out about the quarterbacks. And, you know, I'm not saying he that's his job to, to share that with us. I mean, he's, he can do whatever he wants. But I, I was a little disappointed. I mean, I thought that would be the storyline of today. 
Yeah, and well, we said if it wasn't the storyline today, you know, it's not going to be the storyline this week because there'll be no news about it th- this week. I just, I'm kind of with Austin. I think it's just time to go play, and, and I think that it's, it's just, it, you know, the, the, it feels like it's to the point that there's really, other than to quote name a starter at the quarterback position, there really is no other significant news until you see what this team looks like. You, you know what I mean? Like you can't really answer the question about what's this offense going to look like till you go see him play against somebody else. And, and I just think that you get to that point in camp. And I think that's where Tennessee is quickly approaching and, and, and basically has gotten to uh, as they'll get ready to take on, you know, Bowling Green a, a week from Thursday night. I mean, do you feel, do you guys feel like there's position battles up for grabs or do you think this staff has got, got their starting 22 pretty much locked up at this point? I think they're pretty much locked up. I mean, I, there are certain positions I think you're going to play a lot more than just your starters. So, like, you know, who sure. starts as the number three receiver? And right. be a lot of rotation. Defensive but, line, you know, yeah, I mean, running back. Yeah, I mean, I just think that ultimately, you know, especially the secondary, I think it will be Warren Burrell. It'll be Elante Taylor. It'll be Jalen McCullough. It'll be Trayvon Flowers. And those other guys will continue to work to see if they can find a way to insert themselves in somewhere but I just don't see a whole lot of shakeup. I think it'll be kind of a, the set cast of characters. Who's who starts beside Jawan Mitchell? Is it Jeremy Banks? I mean, I assume so, but you know, I mean, you, you don't know till you get out there. Then for me, Rob, I think, you know, the offensive line seems to be pretty set. I think the biggest question is where do they feel like they are behind those guys in terms of any kind of depth? You know, we had Glenn Ellerby talking about how he felt comfortable with, you know, eight, nine, even 10 guys, you know, what's that really look like beyond the top six? Because I think the top six are pretty pretty clearly identified at this point when you talk about, you know, the Mays brothers and you got Carvin and you got Spragans and you got Darnell Wright, um, you know, out there as your starting five. You know, after that, you know, after you get past Dane Davis at six, kind of where do they go from there? I think that's the that's the biggest question mark with that group, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, I think – you know, R.J. Perry, I mean, he looks like a million bucks. Is he is he ready to play football in, in the SEC? Chris Octorogene, is he – you know, he's, he's battled injuries on and off, and we've seen him get, get some reps here in camp. Is he ready to be the, you know, the third guard, the guy that, that slides in between? James Robinson, where is he at? I mean, they've got some, they've got some dudes that, that look good in that, you know, freshman, sophomore, redshirt, sophomore range, but, you know, nobody knows – Nobody's seen them on the field. I mean, no, none of those guys have gotten any kind of meaningful action. They all, you know, they you, they want passion and combination. Man, that's that's a good looking kid, but can they play? We don't know. I mean, and I, I don't think Glenn Ellery knows either. Whether you know, despite him saying that he's got nine or ten guys he thinks could start. I mean, I think he's getting ready to find out. He's got some likely looking candidates, some suspects, but whether they're prospects or not yet, we don't know yet. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the again the point where this team has gotten to is kind of you don't know and the only way you're going to know is to go play right i mean to, to figure out what guys can do what the the only way to get the answer really moving forward is to go play again because again you're not going to put the ball down in scrimmage i know they'll do some good on good 11 on 11 work austin but there is no put the football down and go play in scrimmage that's why you're to that point where it's it's time to go play and see what you got and, and see how some of these guys react under the lights and, and see how uh, they, they handled themselves 
um, moving forward because I think you're to that point is I guess is what I keep trying to drive home and keep what I'm saying. Yeah, fall camp's a long, it's a long grind. You know, yeah. I mean, think about it, we're still 10, 10 days out from the first game and you know, I mean, it seems like forever since they they had that second scrimmage, doesn't it? To you guys, I mean, it, it just seems like they 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 went scrimmage, a couple of days of scrimmage, and, it, and there were no more scrimmages, and it just seems like such a long time ago. So I think I think they're to that point, hitting somebody else, playing, right. figuring out who they are. I mean, Brent, what you said is one hundred percent accurate. Until they go out there and play, and it's more than just Bowling Green. Until they go out there and play Bowling Green and Pitt, and really Tennessee Tech too. We'll throw that in there. Those first three games, at that point, I think you'll kind of know what this team is in a lot of ways, especially after that Pittsburgh game. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And and again, you can only find so many answers by hitting against your your own, you know, your own teammates for for that that length of period of time. Um, so Thursday night, Tennessee, a week from Thursday, Tennessee takes on Bowling Green. Austin, I'll ask you this question. Let's let's set the bar somewhere. This is going to have an alternative uniform feel. We know we got the lights coming. You got some change in firework displays. Apparently, those are going to be a little little closer maybe to the stadium than they have been in years past. A little more involved in the pregame than we've seen in years past. Um, I think I think but, three months ago three months ago they were going to go alternative uniform, Brent. I don't think so anymore. I think they'll go traditional orange come next uh, next Thursday. Regular standard home uniform. Orange yep. jerseys, white pants, white That's cleats. That's correct. You white cleat right. guys? You guys like the white cleats? Both. I like both. I, I the more Tennessee can wear, like some some games, I think in, in some uniforms, I think black looks good. Some white look looks good. So I mean, I, I don't think that I'm not necessarily one or the other. I think they should do both. However, if I was Max Perot, they'd be rolling out in all orange and black cleats every home Saturday. <laughs> That's what you would do. Orange pants. Orange, orange jerseys, black cleats every, that's every your, Saturday. That's your uniform of choice, Rob Lewis? That's it. There you go. Um, I don't really care one way or the other about the cleats. I, I mean, I really don't. Um, I just I just think some people get, you know, pretty caught up, and that's why I asked, you know, Austin, what you thought about that. About a, you, you think, Austin, that an alternative uniform is coming at some point, just not in game one, right? Yes, I do think it's coming at some point this year, um, you know, uh, you know, we've all talked about black, you know, question is, is what do they do with helmet? You know, but not for, but not for week one on anything. It doesn't, doesn't appear and feel like, and what was Correct. your, Austin, before we get to a couple other big topics, we got some hoops, things to get to a little recruiting stuff and everything. What was your takeaway from the Peyton Manning conversation you had Sunday night with him on the nation? What was your, what was your personal takeaway from, you know, the 20 minutes you guys got to spend with him on the nation? They loves Tennessee. I mean, he always loved Tennessee and, uh, you know, just loves the people, you know. Um, and, and we talked, Rob referenced Max, but Frage, Hawk, uh, Carmen, uh, just really enjoy, you know, and, and enjoys his time getting back here, um, is enjoying retirement um, for somebody that loved football and had a tough time saying goodbye. Uh, I think he's really enjoying his post-football life and uh, – I think you're going to only see Peyton more and more involved going forward in some capacity, whether it's NFL ownership or whatever else. I think you'll continue to see him hugely involved, and I think you'll continue to see him hugely involved around here. So the sheriff was a uh, visitor on the nation on Sunday night. We'll see him in Knoxville at least once this fall, maybe more than once, depending on how things go uh, with his schedule. Of course, he's got the um, the Monday night football thing that, that he's going to be doing, which will be interesting to – to listen to and, and to, to 
uh, see what that's going to be all about as well. But if you didn't get a chance to hear that interview, you can see that. Um, you can find that link at uh, volquest.com. It's also on YouTube as well. If you didn't get a chance to hear the interview uh, that Austin and Chris Lowe did on the nation Sunday night uh, with Peyton Manning. All right, let's jump into this. This is kind of a big picture recruiting thing. Um, the, the NCAA is going to meet later today or later this week with the thought of maybe immediately changing the scholarship numbers, assigning class numbers um, based on the fact that you've got adjusting to the transfer life is what it basically boils down to because so many teams are under the 85 cap. And so there's a thought process that for every transfer that you lose, not that you run off, but transfer that leaves, person that leaves your program, you're going to be able to replace that person with a signee up to a set number amount. So for example, if you lose five, then you would be able to sign 30. If you lose 10, that cap might be at seven and, and 32 might be the max number you can lose. You, you guys thoughts on that, but first and foremost, and we'll dive into it a little deeper, but just your initial thought on that. First of all, and, and I'm, I'm serious. I'm not, I want your opinion. How do you determine someone you lose versus someone you run off? Because a lot of times the kid announces like he was leaving on his own. Oh, I think that, I mean, I, I think that's, I don't think you can determine that. I think that's the first flaw in, in the, in the, in the whole deal is that nobody's going to be deemed. I got run off. I mean, it's all going to be orchestrated and set up that Jimmy. Because left the kid wants it that way. Accord. Yeah. They left on his own accord. Nobody's, I mean, so, and no, no coach is going to say, yeah, we ran him off. We don't want that number back. <laughs> so that's, that's not going to happen. I mean, you know, so I think that's an impossible scenario. That's the first obvious thing that, that jumps out at, at, at you that way. Um, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's great for anybody that's going through a coaching change, because I think naturally when you go through a coaching change, some kids are going to leave. Um, and, and, and some rosters are going to get picked over by other schools. And so that allows a new coach to come in and say, hey, you know, yeah, these schools cherry-picked our roster, but I'm going to be able to go out and sign now eight additional guys. And, and Rob, I mean, part of everything I've read about this and, and looked at at this, and, and Ross Dellinger from, from Sports Illustrated has, has had the most comprehensive coverage on this that I've seen out there, um, one of the concerns that administrators have, conference commissioners have, is there's a fear that there's going to be fewer high school kids recruited and signed because coaches are going to hold back scholarships for, for, for transfers and that there's not going to be as many, I guess, opportunities for, for high school kids. I don't know that I buy I, – I, I buy that coaches are going to save spots for transfers – I don't know how many kids are going to quote not be recruited now because of that. Maybe they don't have, maybe they have, you know, 34 options instead of 42 options to pick from, but I, I don't see it cutting back that way um, in that, in that regard. I do think as Austin pointed out though, you do have to help some schools who go through major attrition because it's probably not the healthiest thing to be playing at 63 scholarships or 65 scholarships. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's still, you know, if everybody still has 85 scholarships, I mean, there's going to be opportunities for high school kids. I would think, I mean, it may not, you know, maybe there's a couple 
less power five opportunities, but I mean, there's, like I say, there's still, you know, you still got 85 scholarships to give. So, I mean, I can see that a little bit, but not, I don't think it's huge. And I, and I, when I I'm with you guys. I think it's a really good deal for, for colleges themselves. I mean, because as you say, what good is it to have, you know, 85 limit if you, if you're playing, you know, you go through a coaching change, you got 71 guys on scholarship because you couldn't sign more than 25. I think it's huge for high school kids because I think inevitably if they didn't go with more than 25 Brent, I think you were going to end up with schools taking less high school kids to save room for portal guys. Well, I mean, I think they're going to be that, but I don't think it's, I don't think it was going to be significant. I mean, I don't think a kid was going to be stuck at home without having opportunities if he's a good enough player because everybody was going to pass on him because they didn't want to give him a spot because they were going to hold it for, a transfer kid. I mean, I, I get the concern that somebody's looking to take, you know, 10, 12 transfers maybe and only sign 15 high school kids, but I just don't think that was going to be the trend. I don't think there's enough players of that elk in the transfer portal that, that somebody would want to give up half of their signing class for transfer kids. Again, maybe in a coaching change world, maybe that's a possibility, but I mean, if you sit there and look, how realistic is it that you can say, okay, half of our signing class are going to be transfers. We're going to take, you're going to take 10 to 15 transfers every year at the power five level. I don't think there's, I don't think there's that many worthy kids that you're going to be able to land. That would be like sweeping everybody in the free agent market. If you're in the NFL and that's just not realistic to to me, but, but I do understand the concern and the look of that. If schools are signing 18 kids from high school, and they're holding seven spots for transfers. I mean, I understand how that looks. Here's the other concern I have for it is in typical NCAA fashion, they're talking about making this effective immediately. Okay. Like for this class, but they're talking about it being a one-year deal and then they're going to revisit it. Well, Austin, it's, it's August 23rd. I mean, how many kids have schools already said, Hey, we're, we're going to not, we're, we're not taking you because we don't have enough room for this. And that kid's committed elsewhere. You can circle back around to that kid and say, Oh, by the way, we, we've got seven more scholarships to give that we didn't know we had two weeks ago. Please come like us again, even though we told you we didn't have room for you. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't disagree with anything you just said. Um, you know, I, my number, my, my thing on the numbers were like, you know, let's say that they take the number to 28, you know, and, and, they, all of a sudden schools are now going to sign 25 high school kids and, and, you know, which gets back to that original number and they use three spots for transfers. I'm just saying like inevitably when you start doing three and four per school, even if it's just two and three per school, all that adds up to having many kids, you know, not going power five or, or going to another makes the lower classifications, uh, you know, a little bit stronger, but yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, to, to not kind of give them any kind of, time to build towards this moment. I mean, you're right. It, it does put you in this weird spot to where, you know, if you're a school that's kind of kept the seat warm with kids, um, even though you didn't have room for them, maybe that benefits you. And if not, then it does put you in this very weird spot. Yeah, it certainly does. So we'll see what happens with that one moving forward, uh, how that affects things. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that changes Tennessee's thought process when they get ready to self-impose something because you know one of the easy things to self-impose was a scholarship reduction on the 85 because Tennessee was going to be way under it 
But if you're going to have an opportunity to increase your numbers, does that change how many kids that you, you know, or how many scholarships you self-impose if Tennessee ever gets to that point in this investigation? We'll see if that happens. I'm, I'm not sure they're going to self-impose anything. I, I'm, my stance is not not to do it at this point in time with, with everything we've seen out there. Just don't even just just don't even do it at all. No, just nothing at all. No scholarships, game. no no fine, no reduction in evals, no obviously no postseason ban. Just just let I think they're just gonna keep go. pushing it off. Keep pushing it off. Keep pushing it off. Keep see what happens. Interesting. We'll see. The Chancellor is scheduled to be on vol calls along with the athletics director on Wednesday night. We'll see if either one of them um, elects to make any kind of public comment on where uh, the investigation stands. My guess is no. Danny White. Danny White. Let me correct this. Danny White has said publicly he got his hand slapped. Um, on the nation. He said it on the nation that he, that he got his hand slapped for talking about it. That did not come from the chancellor. He did not get his hand slapped from from the chancellor. From everybody that I have spoken with. I know we mentioned that in the war room. That's what I was led to believe by multiple people. But I am told that that came from the university's legal people, not from the chancellor herself, but from the legal people. And it's the legal side of things that are telling them they cannot offer any public comment, or at least that's been the case. We'll see what happens on Wednesday night. All right, let's move on to some other recruiting things. We're going to circle back to football recruiting here as we wrap up. But first, Rob, on the Hoops recruiting news, you dropped a pretty significant um, size nugget on Monday regarding Tennessee Hoops recruiting. Everybody wants to know, are they done and everything looking forward to the future classes and all the names that you've talked about? What's going on? What, what, what's Rick Barnes and his staff working on right now in recruiting and, and kind of where, where's a couple things playing out numbers wise for the balls? Yeah. Monday, um, Monday, they brought in um, New York city point guard Zakai Ziegler and his family for an official visit. Um, a kid that really I mean, came from way off the radar. Um, this summer, but I mean, he's the kind of kid that we've talked about. You'd see in football and basketball, but because of COVID and you know limited exposure opportunities before his junior year and then during his junior year, um, you know nobody had seen this kid, or at least not many people had seen this kid. Um, he goes to the Peach Jam in Augusta, and Rick Barnes and the whole Tennessee staff are are basically stalking Brandon Miller top 10 prospect from Nashville. He's and um, the Ziegler kid plays Miller's AAU team with, with coach Barnes and everybody in the gym. And he, he, he blows them up. I mean, he goes for 22 points, 10, 12 assists and is one of the best players on the court. Tennessee offers pretty much immediately. This is back in July. And I guess the, the real twist in this one is that Tennessee's talking to him about reclassifying into the 21 class, which, you know, classes have already started on campus, as we all know, but drop ad date is still several days away. If the young man makes a very quick decision, he could be here and in, in, in class, you know, in, in, the, in the coming days. Um, I don't think anybody except for Tennessee is talking to him about reclassifying. Tennessee does have room for one more and, um, I would say this is one to keep an eye on, to say the least. I mean, a lot of people are scratching their heads about, you know, what wow for this kid this late. You know, right now you've got B.J. Edwards coming in. you got Kenny Chandler on campus. I just tell you, Coach Barge's thought process with, with the way the transfer portal is now that you, you don't ever want to – you don't ever need to have an open scholarship 
you, you want guys you want to and this is this is a kid that is a four-year player most likely and this is the kind of guy that they want to sprinkle in with the Kennedy Chandlers with the Brandon Huntley Hatfields with the Jonas these guys that are probably you know maybe one or two year players and this is and again, this is a guy that they, they saw in person. They liked a lot. And I would trust their evaluations if I was a fan. Well, and here's the biggest thing to me. He's a point guard. You can ne- Much like you can never have too many quarterbacks, you can never have too many point guards and or big men in basketball. And to have you, – you add if they're able to add Case and Wallace to go along with what they already have, with B.J. Edwards committed and, and Kennedy Chandler uh, already here, like to me, I just it just helps you solidify a position that – you know, heck, eight years ago, Rob, they struggled to get point guards at, at times. Yeah, and I would also add this. Not that Kennedy Chandler is a kid that takes things for granted or isn't a hard worker, because he is. He's a really hard worker. But also, someone close to the program mentioned this to me. They, they would not mind to have a, a guy on the roster that would push Kennedy daily in practice, that, that would get after him, that would be tough competition, and that's something that, that they think the Ziegler kid would be. The reclassifying thing, Rob, has become a little more commonplace the last few years. Do you, is that here to stay? I mean, do you, you think oh, enough yeah. kids are comfortable with that? Totally. It, it, do you think it's just so they can start their clock to get to to get to get paid to get to the? Is that why kids are willing to do it the the, the way that they they have been? I know you can't do that. That's hard to do in football. I know it's easier to make that transition in basketball. Why do you think that's become more popular, and why is it here to stay in basketball? I don't. I don't know that across the board. It's a I mean, in some cases, yeah. I mean, like, when you see a top 10 guy like Marvin Bagley a couple of years ago that went to Duke, I mean, he and his family are talking about getting to that second contract in the NBA, you know, a year earlier. And But no, I don't think that's the case with the, with the Ziegler kid. And I don't know what his age situation is, but a lot of these guys, when they reclassify, are just going back to the class they, they should have been in in the first place. Because they were redshirted their freshman year of high school yeah, or know, redshirted in the eighth grade. Something you know, along some, and, I, and again, I don't know that, that that's the case with this young man, but, but a lot of instances that that is the case. Yeah, something to keep an eye on, and obviously we'll keep track of that very closely in the coming days because if there's news there, it'll have to come quickly with the academic calendar uh, at Tennessee with classes already started. All right, Austin, let's wrap up this podcast with some football recruiting. You're in Nashville. Had a chance to visit with Addison Nichols. It was a rough night for his team. Had a chance to see the Lipscomb team play out there. Uh, Walter Nolan's played a high school football game now. Um, Tennessee seems to be working, uh, you know, on all fronts. Um, on the recruiting side of things, getting ready to go on the road another week and, and recruit. Um, give everybody kind of a snapshot of uh, the last few days in terms of notes and, and anything you picked up in your travels to in Nashville and beyond. Well, I stopped at the pilot in Cookville about 1 a.m., and it was a scary situation. Um, I didn't pick up anything there except for a Kit Kat and um, a Mellow Yellow. <laughs> no Dr. Yeah. Pepper? All right. No, it was Mellow Yellow. It must have been I, was really to, late. I was trying to stay awake, man. Trying I mean, I got up early, whatever, and played I'm, golf. I'm partial, to, I'm partial to the Mount Juliet pilot when I'm leaving Nashville. <laughs> at the Arby's? Um, Arby's I, combo? I, I, I'll tell you that the kid that stood out to a lot of people this weekend, now Tennessee's yet to offer, but he's very much on the radar. It's Javante Mackey. He's a 2022. This is one of those maybe COVID casualties. You know, he moved from Chicago to Whitehaven, didn't play a year ago, really has nothing on tape except for a couple of scrimmages this fall. And then um, then his Friday night game, a, a win 
for Whitehaven, and you know he looks the part. And I, the biggest, if you go and you know watch his huddle film, the the play that stands out is not the sacks and the big hits. It's a play where he over pursues and then chases a kid down from behind um, after being about ten yards behind him and strips the ball. Um, so a guy that again, it's on Tennessee's radar. They're doing their due diligence, kind of seeing where you know what this kid's all about. But someone that at least is a name to keep an eye on. Um, that may get an offer. Uh, you know, Addison Nichols. I mean, Addison Nichols looked fine the other night. He said nothing around him, you know. Um, uh, just, I mean, there were plenty of plays in, in his limited offensive opportunities because, trust me, they were limited. They went through that a lot. Where, you know, he mauled his guy, but everybody else around him got dominated. And so, um, I mean, I, at the next level, I think Addison's a right tackle or a guard, you know, and that's my opinion. Um, but uh, he, he, I thought he looked really, really solid. Just didn't have anything around him. The kids at Lipscomb, um, they're going to continue to get better. Um, I, I, the Lipscomb quarterback, Luther Richardson, uh, you know, Trent Delford told us about him when we were over there in the spring. He, he was 16 for 16. Looks really good-looking kid. I, you know, if Tennessee or anybody else wanted to take a second quarterback in this class, you know, he would be a priority for me. I mean, he, he throws a good ball, looks really, really good, um, you know, and then – as far as rec- you know, recruits, I mean, we're still, you know, Alec Ale Manor, um, you know, going to do something. And you know, all the momentum seems to be with Stanford. Um, we'll see. And then, uh, and then from there on out, I think it you know could be a while. Anybody else is going to pull the trigger. Yep, and uh, we'll see where Tennessee elects to go uh, when they can hit out on the road. We'll make we'll see if Walter Nolan's going to be here a week from Thursday. It feels like he's going to and if anybody else makes it in for an unofficial visit. And then the bigger thing is where's Tennessee going on Friday and Saturday following uh, their season opener against Bowling Green, because life changes come September one, when you can um, get out and do those evaluate, you know, get out and get at evaluations. And there's places you need to go and check on some of these kids that are pop going to be popping up on the radar screen uh, because you didn't see them a year ago. Uh, or maybe First time in a year and a half, they'll be on the road. Yeah, and you, maybe they didn't come to your camp. I mean, you want to go check some of those guys out. So uh be a big weekend for, for Tennessee um, on the recruiting trail. We'll obviously have much more on that in another week or so in terms of where Tennessee may be going, where they might not be going in, in week one. And we'll continue to track new names as they pop up and as they uh, um, surface on the recruiting front. Uh, we'll continue to track those and – continue to watch some kids play on Friday nights and Saturdays as well. All right. Tennessee is just over a week away from football game, thankfully. And we're going to continue to get you ready for game day. we got lots of stuff coming up throughout the rest of this week and this weekend as well to get you ready for the season opener. That's going to do it for this Tuesday edition of the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.